Hi, welcome to Now You Go. I'm Karen Brisky. I'm Brian Peralta. I'm Tracy. (laughs) And welcome to Now Now You Go. I thought we were all going to do it together. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) We're a podcast. Now you go. 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 Oh, oh, I go? No, you go. Oh, I go? No, you go. This is so embarrassing. I can't believe it. Now you go. I was going somewhere and now I'm lost. Our next guest is Ari Tibby. You might know them from the band Lucy. Currently, they're on their own, pursuing their musical dreams. They most recently performed a gig at the Hotel Cafe for their birthday. They're a singer-songwriter, and they are fucking awesome. So please, let's welcome them. Thank you so much for coming on. This is awesome. Uh, So... Kind of wanted to ask you where kind of your creative journey began. What motivated you to become a, you know, artist, a songwriter, and a great one, by the way. I listen to some of your music and it's beautiful. Um, so yeah, just kind of like where where you began, where it all started for you. Well, I was raised in a very musical, artistic family, so I was pretty much assigned um, musician, artist at birth, and nothing else, and. It was very encouraged. Um, even you know, at restaurants, anytime we went anywhere, my mom had uh, a purse full or a backpack, actually, a tiny little leather backpack full of markers and pens. And I just got to draw on everything. And I think that creative impulse being stimulated at such a young age really wired my brain to think of everything. Um, as a creative inspiration to think of everything as an opportunity to like enhance beauty of life. And I know that's a very like metaphorical answer, but that's sort of the way that I see the world. And I think it's because I was raised in a family of people who really um, are artistic themselves and are like compassionate and loving enough to not ask me to be a doctor or a lawyer if I didn't want to. I took lessons at a young age, but I quit most of them and taught myself piano, taught myself guitar, ukulele, banjo, and my dad's a singer, so he taught me how to sing. Um, Brother's a songwriter. He got me songwriting in middle school, and my grandmother is a really good listener, and we would, all the cousins, we would just perform for her, and that's that's pretty much it. That's my envelope. That's my resume. (laughs) That sounds amazing. I mean, Ooh. being around so many uh, musical people, I mean, it just must have been such a great kind of like, just a starting point just to like, for you to be able to just perform live in front of people who are very supportive and very musical. That sounds Totally. Great. Totally. Like storytelling. You know, people share stories at the dinner table. We shared songs. Was there uh, like a specific um, instrument that you gravitated to firstly? Were you kind of just like, I love every single every single thing, a little bit um, of everything? The piano was definitely the first one that I really had an affinity for, but um, the, the first real love was my voice and that counts as an instrument. Yeah. I was definitely. really young and I was obsessed with singing. Like I, I found my voice and just like, I remember, I remember very specifically, like the magic I discovered when I was like, I can sing. Oh my God. It was like, um, 
I don't know how to describe it. It's like feeling love for the first time, or it was like eating ice cream for the first time. So my voice at a very young age, that was my thing. Did it have to do with like, did you already know that your dad was a singer and then you realized like you had the same capability that you sure. did? I think I also noticed how it made him feel. Um, he would sing to me every night and with his guitar, he would sit outside my bedroom and sing French songs on his guitar. And I always stayed up to listen. It was captivating. Um, I think I noticed at a young age that like singing for him was more than just musicality. It was communication because he does stutter. English isn't his first language. Um, but when he sings, he doesn't stutter. He doesn't hold back. It's just boom, you know, like this force. And yeah, yeah. So it was definitely a feeling that I wanted to understand. That's beautiful. I, lo I love that aspect of him. Like just kind of like as soon as he starts singing, the stutter goes away. He just kind of like gets right? into it. It's fascinating. Like that's why I ended up studying music in college. This is a, d a different tangent, but I was like really fascinated with why is music so important to us? Why does it have such an like anatomical um, uh, necessity in evolution? You know, again, mm -hmm. tangent, but no, I, I think I. <laughs> yeah, this is the tangent part. <laughs> no, you go, no, you go. No, you go. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, I know. I love that you say that because I totally am the same way. Like I always look for the reasons why we as humans like something, why we respond to any to something, and music to me, you know, just kind of like the biological. Like, why is it that these um, rhythms or these sounds put together? let's say like a, a chord progression or something like that, why these sounds put together delight us. Like, what is it about certain melodies or whatever that just like stirs something in you? And I'm always just like, wow, it's amazing that just like so any sounds coming from anything, not even an instrument, if you're banging on something, um, you know, how those things put together just make make music, you know, and that it just like really stirs something in you. So I'm, I'm, I totally get what you're saying about that. Right. Well, I think it's cool that um, you and, uh, well, I think that's cool that you've been doing music for a long time. I always think it's cool that Brian started playing guitar like two years ago, and now he does it every day and he's really good. And that's I'm, like another- I'm okay. <laughs> well, that's like another, you taught yourself and it was your partner's guitar. And I think that's cool because you tell me that you didn't do that growing up, but you wanted to do it. And having the discipline to do something as an adult to me is like very impressive because by the time I was like 20, I was, by the time I was like 18, if I hadn't started something by then, I was like, I'm never going to do this. I'm never gonna like guitar is one thing. Like I started taking lessons at 16 and I was like, I need to quit. Like I don't have the advantage that kids who started this at like eight years old have. It's all downhill from here. So I think building things like we can't have um our whole lives to do everything sometimes we have to start now even if other people have been doing it since they were tiny yeah tracy tracy please share with the class your your opinions on music and what did you think of listening to ari's music oh i think i think ari's music is very beautiful um i think that yeah, I think, it, I think it's interesting to think about 
um, like the differences between like how we grow up and how we approach creativity in our lives. Cause that's so cool that like creativity was always like offered to you and like fostered as like something that's like important and essential and just like a part of the fabric of life. Whereas like, I feel like growing up, I was always given space to be creative. Um, it was never discouraged, um, but I did feel like a little like on my own, like to ex to explore it or not. Um, and I had more, I feel like I had more of the like passive, uh, like uncertainty of like, I don't, like, I don't know what you think you're gonna do with this in life kind of thing. Um, like, it's cool. Like we love creativity, but like, what, do you, but what do you, what do you really want to be when you grow up? You know? Um, so I, I think that's just like, it's just interesting to see, um, the differences there. Um, do you find, cause this is, this is always where I go. Like, what do you find you have insecurities around, um, being a creative human? And like how, like, what do you do with yeah, that? Like how it fits into the world that we live in. Cause that's the whole thing is that like creativity is the fabric of life. I love that you said that it really is. I mean, evolution, everything we, we create our world, our reality. Um, yet there's not really space. There's not like a specified or um, not specified. There's not an easy route if you want to take that and make it your living and your life, you know? So yeah, I do have a lot of insecurities, a lot of them um, about it. Um, I love that you said passive uncertainty because it's not just grappling with the uncertainty of it. It's which a lot of people deal with. It's also like my insides on my outside. It's, you know, my non stuttering voice. Like I get to be loud. I get to be all these things. And I have to show up confidently or I want to show up confidently. Um, and then there's just so much room for rejection because it is a subjective thing. Not everyone's going to like your art. And if people don't like your art, I take it personally. They don't like me. And then I don't get a job. So then I don't have a living. So all these things are really intricately connected and it for sure produces insecurities and a lot of doubt um, that, just go a lot deeper into self-worth. Whereas most jobs, um, I'm sure people struggle with this too. Actually, I think that it breeds into every single industry. However, there's just something about being an artist, being a creative where it's so connected to your self-worth because it is you inside on the outside kind of thing. I like that you mentioned kind of like the rejection aspect of it, of being a creative and just like how you really do have to know coming into any creative field that rejection is a huge part of it like a massive part of just like kind of getting told no over and over again but having to kind of keep going and pick yourself back up and continue to do your art have you how have you kind of like dealt with that um you know the no's and the rejection and maybe people not feeling what you're doing or or agreeing with your music or even liking your music you know how have you kind of weathered that part of 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 uh, of being a That's creative? That's a great question. I, I love talking about rejection because 
I think that you're going to get rejected more times than you're going to get accepted if you choose this as a career path. Um, and it took me a long time before I realized that those were actually good things. Being rejected is the, you know, pain is the cornerstone of growth. It really is. You have to have that knot in your back to then feel the relief. And every single time I've been rejected by something and didn't get an opportunity, I've seen so much more of myself on the other side. Like, oh, I have these things and I have more to offer and I'm, I'm bigger. Like my, my universe is just bigger, if that makes any sense. Um, but to put it in like practical terms, um, in 2019, my band decided to uh, break up. Um, we were together for four years at that point and we were a trio and we had, you know, been recording and gotten tons of shows and whatever. Um, and we were like kind of experiencing creative differences and we decided to break up. And then we were like, you know what, before we do, we're going to release one last song. And then that one last song got us an international, I'm not sorry, not international, um, got us a tour, a national tour with Pat Benatar and Neil Giraldo on their anniversary tour. The wow. United States. And um, so we, we mustered up everything we had, you know, after the pain of breaking up, we were like, okay, let's become bigger than what we just went through. And it bonded us, you know, again, that pain really bonded us. We got bigger, we got better. We worked really hard. We went on this tour, we played a residency um, in LA. So we would like fly back and forth at the same time, you know, we're selling merch We're and then we recorded two more songs during all of that. So 2019 up until September was so wild and beautiful and creative with the band. We're called, we were called Lucy. Um, and then I got an, I got asked to be on the voice on the TV show and oh. I really struggled with that. I was like, okay, do I want to go through this? Do I want another cornerstone of growth? Like, do I leave the band? Like what's going to happen? Um, I chose to do it and I had been asked to be on it before I've auditioned for many things and, um, I quite enjoy the process of auditioning. Um, I like the discovery of all of it and, um, the training that you get. And so I went for it. I quarantined in a hotel for a month and did my absolute best and it wasn't good enough. And I'm on that stage singing my ass off and no chairs turn around. And I was shocked because I had really, really believed in every part of my brain that they were going to turn around, that someone, anyone was going to turn around. And I had built up that reality so much that when they didn't, it was completely life shattering. And I, I truly broke down after and thought I was going to quit music. That was the first time that I really got to that point. Um, and I was sure I would quit or something. I was just broken. I wasn't even vengeful. I was just broken because I had given everything I had. Um, and then sure enough, you know, a month or two goes by and I start writing songs from a new place. I start singing from a new place. Um, it's like when you run a marathon and you're, ex you're fucking exhausted but then give yourself an hour and you're going to breathe deeper because you've been running. So your lungs are exercised. If that makes any sense, that's how I felt. And I felt like I was better for it. Um, and now two years later, I am just doing more than I thought I would with music. And um, I have 
no idea who that person on that stage even was. Completely different. Completely different. And I had to go through that actualized version of myself on that stage on The Voice and then get rejected to discover who I really am. I I love that story because it just shows you that you could be someone who is a creative and get to this point where you are asked to be on this massive show that everybody recognizes, that everybody knows what it is, and you're obviously good enough to be on that show. Um, and then your situation happens, no one turns around, and you kind of deal with that reality of just like, maybe not right now, maybe it isn't right now, but you still came out the other side saying, I'm not going to let this break me. I'm not going to let this question what I want to do. I think that just ep epitomizes like how powerful our creative like energy is and how you just can't stop. You can't stop no matter what. Like the fact that these four people who, you know, are whatever said, no, that doesn't mean shit. That doesn't mean shit. Like I'm still going to keep doing this and, and you're still here. You're still pursuing that i i just i really love that right i really on. love that story i like it i um i feel like i could stand to hear your thoughts on rejection because i think that when people don't like something that i've done i just sometimes depending on how constructive their criticism is um i might look at them as like not revolutionary or um like relevant and i think about how all the artists that like change the world are often not recognized or given the credit they deserve so i'm like oh i'm just an outsider artist and people will genuinely genuinely not i'm not saying i'm an outsider artist i do things that are pretty normal like draw and do comedy and it's pretty um standard and anyone with the brain can take it in and not like it and it's their decision and I don't have the control over them to be like well you're just not evolved enough and everything great isn't appreciated because true originality hasn't been no one's original and then if you are original no one's seen that territory people don't understand it so whatever I just have this whole whole thing in my head like I saw your voice uh, audition and I was thinking about how you said on Instagram that you were in a box and now you took the box off and you're you and I thought about your voice audition because it seems like you didn't feel very who you are now you don't seem like the same type of um, person and I also thought that you did a great job on the voice and it was like they had a certain expectation of like how that specific song was sung. And if you had just done a less complicated song, you would have been set through, but I know who you are and I know you want to like challenge yourself and like have like the most um, difficult process you can have on something. And I think it's, it's the show, it shows like how thoroughly creative and like professional and like strong you are that you don't want to just First of all, if Kelly Clarkson, she's good. She's the best idol that ever was, but she's not necessarily someone, America chose her and America is not given creative license to make a choice on anything. I wouldn't let America pick out my ketchup, let alone, let alone someone tell me how to listen to music. 
And I equally would not let Kelly Clarkson pick my ketchup. No. <laughs> no. And she's she's the best there ever was out of the idols. It really is, yeah. In my humble opinion. Not of the I, I'm sure there's other ones that did well that didn't finish, yeah. but you know, she's the OG. It should have stopped after her. <laughs> really? but, no, we're still there. Huh. And I like and I liked this past idol. I never watched I have I've watched pretty much zero idol my whole life until the pandemic when I saw anyway there's also Jennifer Hudson Carrie Underwood yeah Ruben Stutter remember him Ruben that was a big Stutter, deal because yeah. I, I think he I think he's gay if I'm not mistaken and like a big deal mm-hmm. no wait that was um Clay, Clay, Aiken. Clay Aiken I don't think it was Ruben oh, Stutter. Wow. Maybe. it was gay I could be wrong maybe he's come out recently For some reason I have Chris Daughtry, that was that was my guy. Anybody Daughtry. remember Chris Daughtry? Wait, he's from Idol. He's from Idol. Yeah, he was. I was so mad. So first of all, my sister and I used to watch Idol like religiously. So when Chris Daughtry season was out, um, I think the guy who won that year was kind of like the older guy with the gray hair. I forgot his name. Taylor Hicks. Yeah. Yes, Taylor Hicks. Oh my. Taylor Hicks. Oh my god. And I was so mad that Chris Daughtry got eliminated. I remember. I was like, what? His voice is amazing. His story's so great. And I was like, oh, God, I was so invested into that show. And it was good. I think, like, maybe America wasn't ready for that kind of, like, um, creative. Because Chris was a songwriter. He mm-hmm. was a rock star. He had a lot of power. Yeah. And that sort of goes back to what you were saying, Karen. If people aren't ready to see something they've never seen before, they're going to reject it. And they're going to reject it hard because they need a reason to be right. Yeah. Totally. And I, I like Daughtry. And I didn't know he was from, I just really don't know Idol at all. And I feel like, um, I was wondering this because you're a musician. So Nickelback is like the quintessential <laughs> band people like go to when they're like ridiculing a band. And I was wondering, would you rather be like a band that is like Nickelback where like everyone cites Nickelback, like you listen to Nickelback, but it's, they've, endured through through for years for decades as like a band you make fun of or would you rather be like a decent moderate level band that has some success but doesn't go through the ages of time like Nickelback they've like made money recently they're like doing it yeah that's that's an amazing I love that question I think my answer is that I don't care the only thing I do care about can happen in both situations. Um, the other factors are not like if there's a group of people that hate me, if there's success or not. The only thing I actually care about is if someone, someone, other person connects with my music the way that I do. And that can happen in both scenarios. At least one, one person liking my songs the way that I do, you know, um, my music giving back to somebody the way that music has given to me, then like that's 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 honestly the only goal. I just want like one fan, um, a true a true fan. I don't want some success. I don't want like I don't want hype around me. I don't want like a built out story. I don't I don't care about any of that. And even money, like that's not really that would be great. And I'm working on it in a way, but like when it comes down to it living through the ages or whatever it's it's really about touching people and like the radio doesn't 
signify that you lived through the ages. Like the change that you make on people does. I mean, think about the songs that resonate with you that a lot of people don't know, that you remember from your childhood. Like they have an impact on you. They invoke a feeling in you. That's the kind of shit that I would love to carry on, you know, that feeling. And that's a great answer. And Karen, I think that's a great example because in, for, me per, for me personally, first of all, I, I understand the hate for Nickelback. I don't give a fuck. I really like Nickelback. <laughs> I've liked Nickelback <laughs> since I think the first Spider-Man movie, the end song was a Nickelback song and it was called Hero. And I was obsessed with that song at like 12 years old. And I listened to their music and I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like music and art really in general is so subjective. Like it's all so subjective. Like there could be legions of people who hate an artist or hate a band. And there's an equal amount of people who love them and who like listen to their music nonstop. And it's, it really is, I think, all about, as Ari said, just like if you're able to somehow through your creativity or your art or whatever it is, touch someone's life and really affect them. And, you know, if that's five people or 500 people or 5,000 people like that, it doesn't matter. Like the, the fact that you touch that person's life with your art or your music is is I think is an amazing thing. So it's it's I think it's like you know obviously as a culture we we tend to you know as human beings kind of gravitate to what other people are thinking and saying and and kind of like want to be part of that crew. But um, you know I think as an artist you have to be able to just like break through all that stuff and just like focus on your craft as already said and just kind of like really focus on the love of the craft that you're doing or whatever the art is that you're doing, which which is super important. Oh, Brian. That's so good. Mm. <laughs> so to be clear, the, the answer is Nickelback? The answer is Nickelback. I mean, I, I like Nickelback too. I just don't trust my taste in music because I like uh, really melodramatic music that makes me think of girls that I had situations with that never worked out. Yeah. I'm, I've slightly moved away from that genre. And... And I've always liked Annie DeFranco. Do you know who Annie DeFranco is? Of course. Oh, good. I was skeptical because she's older than me. I mean, me. I'm, I'm gay. Like, I'm like, I have to know. <laughs> about Katie Lang? Anyone know Katie Lang? Yeah. I've heard oh, yeah. She is legendary. She's someone who doesn't fit in a box. She took the box off. And she did it like 100 years ago. Yeah, like 20, 30 years ago. I don't know. So on that note, Ari, what were kind of the artists um, who you kind of looked up to when you were maybe starting out or has that changed at all over the years as you've grown as an artist and as a person? Um, have you like evolved in your taste of music? Kind of what are you into and what, what got you into, you know, music? Um, sort of, as I said at the very, very beginning, just the idea that everything is inspiration for me. Um, so right now speaking currently, people are my inspiration. Um, I'm, I just came out as non-binary a couple months ago. So right now, like my journal is filled with commentary on the binary and my, my experience of gender, the way that I experience it. Um, and that informs my music because it's me. Um, however, when it comes to listening to other artists, um, I have been listening to a lot of Jojo, Ariana Grande, Beyonce, her, um her, her. Yeah, out, mm. fucking outstanding um Marin Morris Leanne La Havas um a lot a lot of people um 
when I was younger, I listened to Linda Ronstadt, Johnny Holiday, Edith Piaf, um, and uh, Janis Joplin and Led Zeppelin. Um, Janis and Led Zeppelin were like my my biggest pushes when I was in high school and discovering that I was an artist and that I was a songwriter. Um, I listened to them nonstop and um, they embodied everything for me. They embodied like expansive mm. creativeness. So it's definitely changed and it will continue to change. Um, but the general rule is I have to like you as a person if I'm going to like your music. <laughs> when you said, said Janis Joplin, I could definitely hear kind of that influence in the music that I've heard of yours. And it's, it's oh. really, it's really very good. It's um, the one that I kind of gravitated to the most, your song, Hardest Aww. Thing to Lose. It's a beat, like I love that kind of like that finger picking uh, acoustic intro and that, that melody line throughout that song is beautiful. And the harmonies um, on that song are amazing. And I was just like, oh, this, this sounds very much. And I, because I've been getting, I had never listened to folk music before. I literally just started getting into folk music in the last like year. And so I'm like recognizing those sounds and kind of those, you know, those artists and what they sound like. And I heard kind of that influence in that song. And I was like, oh, this is, this is beautiful. This is that it That right makes here. me so happy. Yay. Yeah, I like I like that song because it's good for a breakup. <laughs> I wrote it. It was sort of like prophetic. It was an accidental pre-breakup breakup song. Do you think... Um, well, you need to watch this documentary on Amazon called, like, Drugs and the CIA. <laughs> okay, it's the CIA and Drugs as Weapons Against Us, the War on Musicians. Oh, my God, what? Yeah, you have to watch it. And it's really... It's very help. It's really good information, but the tone of the narrator is the same voice as the Microsoft Word narrator. If you want to hear your paper read back to you, it's. It, I don't give many thumbs up to the narration because it seemed like he put his whole uh, movie in Microsoft Word and then just had the Microsoft Word robot read his entire movie. But it's very awesome information, and you'll hear about why they why Janis Joplin was vulnerable to being taken out by the CIA. Oh, Tracy's <laughs> face right now is priceless. How would you describe that face? The visage, <laughs> Tracy. It's it's funny because Karen has consistently tried to get both of us to watch this movie. Yep. And every, I think every week it comes <laughs> up. I'm sure going to watch it. It's you need to watch it. Like it just shows how drugs have had such a stronghold in our society and the really rich old money dealt drugs. Can I pick up a quote and read you a quote? Please. Is it drugs are the opium of the masses? No. <laughs> but you have to say it in the Microsoft Word voice from the thing. <laughs> I will do my best. Okay. I'm going to do my best. Um, here we go. It's easy to overlook burgeoning addiction in a kid. In GQ in 2019, Julian Baker said that cultural categorization, that cultural categorization of substance abuse as the taboo but expected misbehavior of children contributed to me having a warped sort of denial. Um, where is it? I wonder if that's what I was looking for. I think it was. The thing is, like, yes, it's that taboo but expected thing for kids to get, like, super addicted to things. I 
became an addict. Well, I think I was born an addict, but I struggled with addiction um, from the age of like 14 until today. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I've been sober a year, but like it doesn't go away. Um, and congratulations on a year. That's amazing. Thanks. Though, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's super important. I don't want to like, you know, um, it's just that I, I do think that our society, um, ignores mental health and instead places importance on consumption period and success like mm -hmm. you know not i don't know it's warped yeah and like drugs well like capitalism is really out of control right now and that's why it's not necessarily like creativity it's like being successful um, and being actually a great artist are so like different and that's like a weird place to be. So like, I just think it's interesting that, I think it's really good to look at rejection as an opportunity to like expand your art and like breathe into it. And the running thing you said was very cool. I hate running <laughs> so much, but I see the I the comparisons valid. And I wish that I had started running as a kid so I could growing up I was like if I'd started running in high school I would have been so good at doing something I hated. And that's like how you become successful. Is regularly right? doing like you sitting hate. in the discomfort and getting good at it. That's yeah. sobriety. Yeah. And honestly, sobriety has a lot to do with why I'm able to like pursue my music in the way that I am right now. Um, because drugs and alcohol addiction are so intertwined with my whole career and my whole experience as an artist. Um, and I forget where I was going with that, but. Do you, do you find yourself uh, writing about those experiences? Is it hard to write about those experiences or is it like a more of like a, a cathartic? That's thing? a good question. My, my old bandmate asked me that the other day. She was like, are you writing about your sobriety? Do you write about your addiction? And what I'm doing right now is I'm actually going back into my catalog and I'm looking at my old songs, um, like for sync and things like that. But I'm realizing that I wrote about my addiction when I was in my addiction. I don't write about it now. I, it frees me up to write about other things. I can write about gender. I can write about crushes. I can write about um, the way I can write about my grandmother. I can write about the world the way it is right now. I can write about fucking privilege. Um, but when I was in my addiction, I was so, uh, uneasy and wanting to get out of it that that's, I added, I wrote a lot about being addicted to things that wanted to kill me eventually, you know? All right. You're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> do you, this is a kind of a, a question that I like personally, like, do you find that playing music and even when you're not recording or. Because when I, you know, Karen mentioned I started playing guitar a couple of years ago and I had always wanted to learn. And then when I started playing and started learning, I just like found myself like hours would go by and I'm still playing. And it's just like it like just kind of put me in a place where I didn't have to think about anything, like no stress, no anxiety, no depression, things that I was suffering from. And I was just like, this is crazy. This is magical. Like how, you know, I don't know what I was doing very early on, but do you feel like you are still in the in the realm of like playing music is 
just like a fun thing still to do? Do you find it more because it is your career path and it is almost a job? It could be a job maybe sometimes. Um, but do you still have that kind of like joy of just like playing music to yourself, maybe to nobody else and just kind of going through? Is that still something Absolutely. that you have? Absolutely. And that's where I write from. I write from that space a lot um, of just sitting down and like just playing all of the keys and just like going and just like mm -hmm. boom, boom, just like really having to like let like let the music speak. Um, I get mm -hmm. a lot of relief from that, from those moments of creation. And yeah, a lot of songs pop out of that, a lot of um, compositions and stuff. Um, but I will say to the point of, and to your question is that I do have other mediums um, that I go to for a very thoughtless experience of creation, um, like art and painting um, and doodling and just taking a brush and moving it around in color. Like I have my palette on my desk always and my brushes and my paints are all there. I, I use watercolors in, in gauche a lot. So they're always ready. Like I don't have to put it away and I can just like mess with the colors and I need to do that. That's something that um, is like just pure, pure creation. That's dope. That's so dope. I love that. Oh, I think all of the people here could stand to get a way to express art that they don't judge themselves. Yes, exactly. It's all about not judging it. Exactly, Karen. That's such a good point because I, I, I don't know about everyone here, but I think for myself, I judge what I do artistically constantly. Like if it comes to writing or, you know, acting or whatever it is, like I just, I'm always like, oh God, that's, that's terrible. Why the fuck am I doing that? You know? And I'm, I'm sure everyone can relate to that, but it's, it's about like pushing through that. Right. Just like kind of be like, fuck it. Who cares if, you know, I think it's, it sucks, you know, it's still a creation and it's something I created and it's something to be like, uh, enjoyed by yourself because you did it you created something exactly i can yeah. deal with those voices a lot easier now that i'm sober when i wasn't sober, they just completely mm -hmm. enveloped me and now i can deal with the self-doubt totally. yeah yeah have you read the book big magic by elizabeth mm -hmm. gilbert oh she's really cool i tell people to read that <laughs> it says like well yeah, it talks about like art and if you ever feel like you're strangling your art to stop creating it with the idea that your art's going to pay your bills and try to focus on like a way to pay your bills so you don't struggle while you're doing your art. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of really good tips on um, I think it's called How to Make It in the New Music Business by Ari Herstand. And he's a friend of mine, so just plugging that book. Um, Hmm. But he has uh, a chapter on like kind of you know what to do about all that. You know, you're okay. So you haven't made any money yet. What are you gonna do? Um, you can get a side job and just make sure you fucking hustle. And when you come home in the evenings or in the morning, you focus and you do your to do list and you um, create. And then you have your job you go to, and then you come home and your brain is hopefully freed up at your job. You're not using too much of your creativity. Um, or you work your ass off, save a bunch of money, and then you live without working and you live off your savings. And then you get to just create. And that's what I'm doing right now. So, yeah. That's yeah. cool. 
It actually uh, is, goes into a question that Tracy and I were talking about earlier that I wanted to ask you was with the way kind of uh, the way everything has changed in terms of like technology, all these new platforms that everyone, you know, that have popped up and I'm sure that has affected kind of the way we consume music and the way like music gets out there and the way musicians, I'm sure, put their music out there. How have you um, seen kind of that change? How have you, if at all, been like utilizing, you know, maybe like TikTok or Instagram or things like that to get your music out there? Do you like kind of those platforms putting music out there? Do you um, see like a better way to put your music out there? What do you, how do you, how do you kind of navigate that? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think it's amazing. Those platforms, you know, allow me to exchange music, allow me to do it myself. Um, and yeah, I can do it myself. But when it comes to like Instagram, TikTok, those platforms are all very centered on the personal profile. Um, not necessarily about the art, like the algorithm is, is maintained by posting photos of your face. Those are the ones that get traction and those are the ones that go the farthest. It's not just about like how many likes you get, which is important for representation, but they actually go farther to a bigger audience if you're posting about yourself and your identity. Um, so I do struggle with that. I did actually, I think for a long time, I really struggled with that. Um, probably cause I wasn't being my authentic self, but also because I struggled to separate my art from my like personal identity online, my digital self, this like, you know, everyone wants to be an icon, that whole thing. Cause it can feel very selfish and promotion and self-promoting. And, um, that's not the point. And a lot of artists find that really hard. So what I've recently started doing is, just really separating it in my brain. Um, so my Instagram right now is for me to share ideas, is for me to like explore my identity um, and be creative in, in my own way with that. And then I work on music, you know, when I'm not posting and like, I don't really, I don't know. Like right now I'm not really posting that much music unless it's like a, a little live video. I'm not like promoting anything. And I'm just trying not to promote anything mm -hmm. um, on there. And that's like a personal choice. I'm I'm pitching my music for sync and I'm trying to just like produce my own stuff and, and work that way. But um, so I've been able to separate the two. I don't know if that was a very nice. direct answer to your question. I think it was perfect. That was good. It was, that was good. good. Karen, Tracy, anything else you'd like to ask? Um I think that I'm so happy you know so much about the industry. I didn't know you went on tour with Pat Benatar. That was they were so cool. nice. They were so nice. They gave us chocolate. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. I like chocolate too, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so did you save Karen any Pat Benatar no. chocolate? No. Well, this was fun. We have to go. I don't think this is going to work out. I'm sorry. <laughs> True. Um, I think I have all my questions answered, and I have um, plenty to analyze because you're a wealth and a port of knowledge. I could plug you into my phone and listen to you. As an <laughs> yeah. You know what, Karen? Not only would I do that for you and ramble away and ramble on, but I would also request the same from you. I would love a Karen audiobook. I agree. 
<laughs> yeah, I think we would all love a Karen audiobook, to be honest. No, you go. Hey, I'll keep. <laughs> now, the Now You Go audiobook. Narrated by Karen. <laughs> That's a good idea. I think that is a good idea. Tracy, any final words? I also think that's a fantastic idea. And I think we'll make that happen. Um, thank you, Ari, for joining us today. Thank you so much. Wait, before we go, is there, do you want to plug any of your social channels, your website, anything where people could check you out, check out your music? Um, yes. You can listen to my stuff on Spotify and um, on SoundCloud as well. Those are my two favorites. And on Instagram, Instagram TV, I have some of like some unreleased songs that I play live. Um, and yeah, like have fun, go at it. Let me know if you like the lyrics. And if you're curious about fashion and you like putting your inside on your outside, um, like talk to me about about your shoes and your jackets because I paint on things and I love it. And I absolutely love commissions. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite things to do. That's awesome. Brian, I made your shirt, right? You did. Sick! Oh, that looks so good! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Girl, yeah. Audio Singlet books design. and fashion. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're basically starting this podcast to create like an entertainment conglomerate for Karen. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, like a mul this is like a multi-pronged approach for Karen's brand. This is really all this is. I'm happy it took this long to realize it. So <laughs> let's continue. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, all right, um, thank you so much. This was, no, it was no. such a pleasure talking to you. It was really, really awesome. Loved it. Oh, Loved every of it. Yeah, we love you. It was great to hear from you, and um, I will talk to you in person Definitely sometime. Later today. Thank you so much for having me, yep. for your wonderful questions, thought-provoking, and just your good energy. It's nice to hang out with some friends. Thank you. Cool. cool. Goodbye. <laughs>